content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan, and we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. And you know what? It's not just bad behavior, right? We talk about behavior, and sometimes there's really great behaviors. And we are so excited today to have my friend Debarshi be a guest on the podcast. Welcome, Debarshi. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited. I know your story is going to really inspire people. And Sissy, you know, you had said something in a recent conversation where you were talking about season two of the podcast and how you felt like this was sort of a season where we talk a lot about overcoming obstacles. You know, we had the triathlete on who, you know, was expected to be in the hospital and rehab for, I think, three months. And she was walking out of the hospital within, what, a week? And, you know, we've had Chris and Lucinda and, of course, and now we have Debarshi. And so just to give our listeners a little bit of history, I met you in your senior year of high school. And you and I have remained friends since high school. You just graduated. Tell us about that. Well, it took You graduated from college, I should say, not high school. You graduated from college. Yeah, definitely. Uh it took six years, um, and I struggled a lot. And I wound up with a 2.9586 GPA. I don't know how I remember that, but still, it's not the best. But, you know, uh, my major is computer science. So uh, computer science is very challenging. Uh, yeah. and, and I also, it took a while before I started seeing a therapist during college and whatnot. So it took a while to graduate college, but yeah, I did. Well, and you did, and let's let our listeners know, you didn't just graduate from, you know, like a small college, you graduated from UT Austin, which is not something a lot of people could say, despite your GPA. I'm sure if you were at a smaller college, it would have been very much closer to a 4.0. And, you know, you said that you took five years, but your your story of college is so fascinating to me. So you left high school, you went to UT, University of Texas in Dallas. Yes, initially, yes. How long were you there? I was there for a year, and then I transferred to uh, UT Austin. Um, Then after that, I spent five years at UT taking various requirements and various things that I didn't have to take, but I was somewhat interested in. And then dropping like a lot of courses. Like I, I, I went to UT and I did the same. So okay. yeah, I dropped more than I was like more than the six that they typically allow you to do. I just like. I got mental health, like, and and it, it was true. I was dealing with a lot of mental health stuff, and I I got a set therapist. I want to say my junior year of college, mm-hmm. so I feel like if I had, you know, got a therapist earlier, you know, maybe my college uh, trajectory would have been a little smoother. But um, but you did it, and and let me tell you know our listeners, and if you're not okay with this, we can edit it out. But um, you know, I met you in your senior year because there were some issues that had happened from ninth grade on. And, you know, I I feel like it was truly a blessing that I was able to meet you and get to know you over the years. And, you know, you, you had every reason to have mental health issues. There were, you know, uh, just a lot of different things that happened. And the other thing that I, I definitely want to talk about today is the, the whole notion of when you were diagnosed and kind of that piece. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Definitely, definitely. And yeah, I'm I'm a very open guy. So you can, you don't have to cut that out. Yeah, you okay. know. <laughs> so for me, 
I was diagnosed with autism or uh, Asperger's syndrome, to be more precise, which is now considered high-functioning autism as of DSM-5, uh, I think, or was, yeah. And um, so I was diagnosed in ninth grade by a school psychologist. I had a lot of social issues and a lot of social trauma in ninth grade that just consisted of me consistently being rejected by peers. Not talking about in a romantic sense, I'm just talking yeah. in general. And uh, the admins at the time, they treated me like I was a burden, I was different, uh, that I was a threat. And mm-hmm. so that took a toll on my mental health sure. as well. Sure. Yeah. And I didn't know you in ninth grade, but I did know you in your senior year. And, you know, there were, there continued to be, you know, struggles with your peers. And again, it had nothing to do with female. Well, it had to do with females and males, but it had nothing to do with anything romantic. It had to do, you know, it. I love cases where I had romantic feelings for like somebody that was like not, uh, but most, my, my intentions were always to be friends with people. Yes. And, you know, I didn't do so hot being friends with people and so I also struggled when I you know had romantic feelings for someone or another I didn't really know like how to balance that and mm-hmm. how to be and I still don't know to be honest I'm still struggling I've never had a girlfriend so yeah it's still something to navigate even when you're our age so you know it, it's it that's not uncommon to bar autism or no autism but I do really appreciate you talking about a little bit about you know, the administrators and, and the lack of understanding. And we spoke about this yesterday that, you know, when people, when you were diagnosed 10 years ago, I don't know that, well, I know that we didn't know as much as we do know now about people like you who were Asperger's or high-functioning autism. And, you know, when people don't know things, they, I think generally speaking, they tend to behave in ways differently, obviously, than they would if they did know, right? If they did understand autism. And so that's part of what I think kind of occurred. And and going back to, you know, the overcoming thing, you know, you went to UT Dallas, you went to UT Austin, then you moved to New York City, <laughs> just out of the blue. So t- talk to us about that, because you were still in college, right? Yeah, I was still in college, but I was exceptionally depressed and exceptionally hurt. Uh, by this time, I had a therapist, but I also, um, I'm Christian, so I participated in a Christian ministry. And you get this idea as a Christian that, you know, you can trust these people. They can, they'll, they'll take care of you. They understand your autism and stuff like that. Well, not really, because um, they kicked me out of the last few events uh, due to a lot of my anxiety-induced behaviors. Sure. And so when you talk about the ministry, you were actually a leader in the ministry. And uh, tell me the name of that ministry again. Texas Epic, E-P-I-C. Yes, um, but you went to New York City with to work for a group called City Year. Yeah, that's not, that's not related to the ministry at all. Gotcha. Um, okay. But yeah, in City Year, the funny thing is, I started realizing how hard it is for autistic people to enter the workplace in general, because I was a very honest, like upfront guy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's way too honest. Um, (laughs) Mentioned to you yesterday that my coworkers uh, were all mostly ladies and they were having a conversation on sex and I'm well, a virgin. Mm -hmm. And so 
I just, I, I, I just said something stupid. I was just kind of like, well, I've never had sex before, but I masturbated or something like that. And, you know, I, I would get into trouble for these little social, uh, issues, these conundrums. And, you know, it, it was hard because like what everyone else saw as inappropriate slash, you know, not belonging Mm-hmm. I saw more as just honest. <laughs> right, right, right. And we, you know, we talked a little bit about yesterday about, you know, the whole notion of being diagnosed at ninth grade and not earlier and how, you know, those are some of the things that go along with theory of mind and the ability to understand, you know, when I say things like that, how other people might feel, right? And although yeah. you were being honest, which I completely understand, there's that whole idea of um, the filter. You know what I mean? Like, maybe saying I'm single or I'm a virgin and maybe not adding that piece, but you know, it's a learning experience, but so well, and it can be really confusing if the rest of the group is talking right. about things that are a bit of a sexual nature and you're like, why, why is it okay to talk about that? But it's not okay to talk about this. You know, and that's I that I didn't understand that. I will say most of the people talking were girls. Mm-hmm. And so they were talking about, different things I won't talk about, but Mm -hmm. I'm interested because like, I've never had sex before and I don't intend to until I'm married, but that doesn't mean I'm not curious. I'm still a sexual. And so, um, and that's another thing, you know, autism and sexuality, there tends to be, uh, some difficulty with that, at least from what I've heard. Yeah. And well, so, the cues are so subtle, you know, the cues around all of that are, are so subtle. And there are rules that we don't talk about, really. You're supposed to learn these rules by osmosis, I suppose. And, or listen uh, to your you friends know. or, yeah, you know, yeah. and evidently the friends that you were talking with really, you know, weren't giving you the cues. You know, it just, it like Sissy said, it it's so complicated and, and so yeah. subtle that who could blame you for you know, especially not having had a girlfriend before to have that practice. Right. So, so you lived in New York city and you were there, I think you said almost a year, right? Nine months, 10 months, almost a year. I'd say, um, I came back mainly for my college graduation, uh, which I did have a graduation COVID calmed down. And, you know, (laughs) we actually had like a real graduation. I felt really bad for those who graduated in 2020 because they did not get graduation they they got and you walked and everything right yeah I did I did good I'm so proud of you Debarshi because you really have overcome you are such a a great story for people who might be dealing with some mental health issues or depression or and anxiety and all of that and you can you still succeed so bring us up to date I know I mean it's just amazing you just passed a test this weekend right Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, So this weekend, I took the AWS cloud practitioner, certified cloud practitioner exam. And so uh, I work for a company called FDM Group. They uh, are an IT consulting company. And so uh, I'm an IT consultant. And uh, I right now specialize in a technology called AWS, Amazon Web Services, which is it's basically a cloud service. And you can run your workloads and whatnot in that service. So uh, I got the foundational certification uh, for AWS, and I feel good. Now I just have another more boring certification called ITIL, 
And uh, what is I'm that not for? Uh, good question. I think it's like information technology infrastructure something. I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. But but that just is so impressive that you've been doing all this and and you've been doing it self monitoring. I mean, you have been you live independently in an apartment and you've been training yourself and taking these courses without anybody telling you when to do it, right? Yes. I mean, you've it's you've been self managing. Well, that's true. I will say though my parents, my mother what now that I live in Houston and my parents live in uh, Sugarland, my mother consistently visits me and she brings food. She, in fact, the entire idea is I don't have to go out to get groceries. I <laughs> literally just eat whatever my mother provides me, which I don't know, like I like it, but at the same time I don't because, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm being spoon fed <laughs> and, you know, in Austin, I was, uh, I had to walk everywhere yeah. and, you know, it kept me lean. It, uh, it, it required a lot of energy and, you know, I was consistently, uh, accomplishing my fitness goals yeah. and now I'm just sitting here in an apartment, don't have a car, don't have anything. And, you know, so it's a little frustrating sometimes, but, um, I'm lucky to at least have an apartment. There are people who don't. You are and- very lucky to have an apartment and you are very lucky to have a mama who comes over and feeds the <laughs> oldest boy in the family because um, I think a lot of that is just being the eldest and mama wants to take care of you and that is perfectly fine. And, you know, the fact that you pass the exam, you're getting ready to take another exam, you passed UT Austin, I mean, you graduated from UT Austin, you've had the job in New York City, the leading of a ministry. I mean, you have done so much. And, you know, I know at one point, you have also an interest in photography, right? I I did, and I still do, but it's just like I don't go out as much, <laughs> and I wish I did. But yeah, I I I had a friend of mine named Aaron. He uh, he was one of those more accepting people. We'd argue a lot, we'd fight, but we'd still always get back to you know being really good friends. And he uh, he he was very passionate about photography, very phenomenal photographer. And so I wanted to do it because I had this thing where if my friends do something, I kind of just copy them. And I bought my own DSLR, uh, digital uh, single lens reflex camera. And um, ever since then, like, I've definitely used it a few times and I enjoy it. But then now, right now, it's just sitting there gathering dust and I'm waiting for uh, a time for me, you know, to just go back and recharge and you know you know we haven't had great weather lately in fact as we speak it's pouring down rain outside i had a thought of maybe something you could use your camera with inside and that would be your dog yes yes and i tried i think the hard hard part is though is the lighting situation it has to be just right and i'm very much a novice you know when it comes to photography i'd consider myself very much a novice and i need to learn a lot more about light and just like there's this thing called ISO, which basically mm-hmm. is like, um, it's the amount of uh, processing, the amount of grain within an image. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes I have to up the ISO to such a high level when I'm inside. I got um, And it just kind of reminds you that natural light is so much better yeah. than artificial light. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, I hope that you pick up that um, hobby again. It's hard when you're taking all these courses and trying to pass all these certification exams. And as a result of passing the exam, the 
AWS Certified Cloud Practitioner. Don't you have something exciting coming up? Maybe like an interview or something? Oh, yes. Tomorrow. Uh, I'm actually really scared. They're going to be... Going to be um, so Bank of America will be interviewing me for a Python programming position. Python is not my best programming language. It is a programming language, um, and it's very popular, but it is certainly not my best programming language. And you know, I I don't know. I just like have some doubts about my programming skills. No. It was very different when I was young because when you're young, you have like an ego or something like that. But now that doesn't really exist, and I've kind of experience a lot of hardship and stuff and so i'm i'm i wouldn't be shocked if i just blanked out when well, they, yeah, i hope not you need to remember that what you consider not the best is probably other people's best you know because you know just listening to you talk about taking pictures i like i have a camera and i like to take pictures but you're already talking above my head on stuff and you consider yourself a novice so right. you know i think you know, I, I think you need to have more confidence in yourself and your ability to to use the Python program or whatever it is yeah. that I'm not even saying the words right. Um, well, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. So, see, when he was saying, you were saying ISO, I'm like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Hopefully, he's going to explain that. And I like to take photos, too. So, the exam, I mean, the interview is tomorrow. What time? Tomorrow at 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. So, that would be 1 to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. I actually, I was supposed to take uh, that ITIL certification exam tomorrow at four. I've asked to reschedule it because I need to prep for this interview, and I'm just like, yeah, I want to do too much at once. You know what I mean? I totally. I can com wonder completely, one hundred percent agree. And I remember, and you'll be fine. I'm going to wish you luck now, and I'll be thinking about you tomorrow afternoon um, as well. But. You know, when I knew you in high school, and I, I think you still have this interest, you were very interested in hacking. And can you tell us more? Because I think when a lot of us think about hacking, we think about bad guys hacking into computers, right? And so I yeah. know it's much more, right? So go ahead and tell us about that. Well, uh, the word hacking has been utilized for a long time since the 70s or whatnot. Um, but I would, I, I would argue that hacking has a lot more to do with creative, intuitive solutions rather than necessarily breaking into a machine for malicious purposes. Yeah. And so hackers, or I guess you could just, uh, a lot of them are good programmers, some of them not so much, but basically I, I, I wouldn't, I would say that I have a heart of a hacker right now. I'm interested in creativity. You know, I'm interested in uh, thoughtful solutions, but I wouldn't say that I'm a very skilled hacker. I wouldn't even really like. Oh, stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, I've been, I've, I've been wanting to get into it for a very long time. I took an ethical hacking course at YouTube. It was very fun. And yeah, the, th the thing is, you know, I'm interested in what they call ethical hacking, which is basically this legal agreement that, Hey, you can test our systems, try to break into them and whatnot. And, uh, you know, you will pay you to do that. And of course that's a very, uh, touchy area because you know you have to make sure everything's written down you've mm -hmm. got permission written permission and whatnot but you know i don't do that right now i want to and so one of the reasons i chose the aws track at my company is because aws cloud in general is really everything you do at the regular it level exists pretty much in the cloud as well and so there are security 
uh, professionals who work with AWS. There are programmers who work with AWS. And, you know, database administrators slash engineers, they work with AWS. And so the, the, there's so much mm-hmm. broad possibility just by knowing how to utilize the cloud. And so, you know, uh, because of that, I'm, I, 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 I took that path. And so, you know, I, I hope I can get into security at some point and, uh, you know, maybe even cloud security. <laughs> you know, Deborshi, you never know. You know, I think about my niece who's 36 and she started out with Dell computers being in sales. Um, <clears throat> she was in Maryland and that was oh, maybe six years ago. And now she is running national programs for Dell computer. Like she is nationally like she is she has meetings with the ceo and cfo of dell on a on a regular you know so she never would have anticipated that when she first got the job with dell you know she was just in sales and so you never know what things can turn into other things you know what i'm saying susan You've talked about Debarsi with me before and and how much you admire him and how much you've learned from him. And I can see now why you admire him so much. I enjoyed listening to him and he had so many good things to say. I think we're going to end up with like three parts to this. So I hope that our listeners enjoy him too. Yeah, I I think that the three parts is going to be good and they'll be shorter I think because he has so much to say and, you know, we really want all of you listening to think about it and, you know, not to share too much at one time because there are such nuggets of brilliance in in so much of what he says. But, um, yeah, we were talking, I guess we ended part one talking about his interest in hacking and kind of some clarification of, of what that means, literally, and not just what people think it means. And, you know, how we can't really predict the future. And I, you know, Sissy, I, I do talk about Debarshi a lot. I, we have talked before about individuals who will impact our life for the rest of our lives and have, you know, such great memories and, and we'll always want to stay close to those individuals. And Debarshi is definitely one of those people. So I think that he is going to master all of the goals and everything that he dreams of, at least I hope so. So we definitely hope you enjoyed part one of Gabarshi's conversation. He talked about his college career. He talked about these certifications that he's studying and talked a little bit about his mom bringing him food and things like that. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is that he mentioned, I believe it was his friend Aaron with regard to photography. And he said, I have this thing that I do. I copy my friends when they do something. And so he had started getting into photography and that made me think of a question for our listeners where uh, we talk, you know, about imitation skills and how, Sometime, well, almost all the time, imitation is a difficult skill for people on the spectrum. And so wanted to think about, you know, why imitation is so difficult for people who have autism. So the question choices are A, imitation requires modeling from another person. And oftentimes the person with autism doesn't have a good model. B, many times people with autism tend to focus on the wrong information. And we talk about this a lot when we do trainings about how sometimes they focus on irrelevant details. Like, for example, 
you might be working with a learner or a group of learners and you say, okay, boys and girls do what I do or do this. And you might be modeling some gross motor imitation, or you might even be modeling, you know, how to write a letter or, you know, a letter of the alphabet or what have you. And the person with autism might be focusing on the fact that you got a new lanyard or you got new glasses and they're not focusing on what you're modeling for them to imitate. Or you might be, for example, modeling writing letters of the alphabet on dry erase board and one of the letters gets smudged and they're so focused on the smudged letter that they're not focused on that. So that's choice B. C might be that people who are neurotypical, if you think about when they imitate, they get some kind of attention from that, which can serve as positive reinforcement. You know, maybe mom or dad or teacher or even a peer might be laughing or saying, oh, doing what I do. I love the way you're copying me or imitating me. And many people who are autistic kind of need to learn the value of that social reinforcement. So that's choice C. Or we have D, which is all of the above, meaning they need to learn this, the benefit of social attention. They need good models, which we don't provide. And they focus on the irrelevant information. So D would be all of the above, E would be none of the above, and F would be choices B and C. What do you think, Sissy? I think that question sounds very much like how it works when we were trying to study for the test. A and B, D and C, none of the above, all of the above. You know, yeah. Right? So for sure, I, I know that it's probably not about them not having a decent model to see. You know, parents of children on the spectrum are providing those models for all of their children and their other neurotypical children are picking up the skills and yet their child on the spectrum is not. We definitely have seen that they will frequently focus on uh, something other than the most important part of what's happening. And I definitely have seen the situation where something like writing on the board and there's a little smudge and they're focused on that smudge. And you're thinking, no, we need to write letters, you know. So that one I would go with. And I also do think that how is it that we learn to imitate? And, and we do get attention as little ones when we imitate an adult. And that social attention is likely to cause that to increase the behavior. I was also thinking that sometimes, we didn't mention this one, but I also think that sometimes imitation can be almost like a behavioral cusp in that it is leading to another skill, like, you know, pretending to cook like mommy prepares you to be able to cook like mommy or daddy, you know, so, so I would go with B and C. That's a really good point about wanting to cook like your mom, because my mom had a lot of recipes that I wish I had, that I Mm -hmm. don't know how to cook that I wish I did. So, yes, you are correct. The answer is F, B, and C. And we hope you enjoyed part one of Debarshi's conversation. And we know that you're going to really love part two because he talks about some things that get a little deep in terms of his social understanding of different situations and ways that he has recovered. So thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. And we will continue our conversation next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.